Hey, welcome back to Backseat Manter Carpool Edition. I'm joined today with Andres Lopez of Cultura Sports. How's it going, everyone? Happy to be back. Always a pleasure. Yeah, we had an awesome uh, interview the last time around. So this time we'll dive a little bit more into Andres's thoughts about the NBA. It's a new season. It's a new year. And uh, definitely a lot of things to be excited about. So um, if you guys are enjoying, please like, comment, subscribe, leave a five-star rating. Uh, you know the drill. Uh, but before we start, a word from another show. Okay. And we are back. <laughs> um, all right, Andres, let's start off. Uh, so it's a new year. Um, COVID restrictions are slightly being lifted. We're no longer in a bubble. Players are actually playing at home. What's the buzz looking like around the league? Well, it's getting worse and worse as we speak. Um, the buzz is that we might have to head into a bubble again. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody's evaluating the possibility of a bubble for the playoffs. Uh, right now, the season already started. We're just going to run with it. Um, Adam Silver, the commissioner, he did say that um, COVID cases are expected. So he's not very alarmed with all these cases coming up, but you can just see how teams are struggling to even get a nine man roster in mm -hmm. order to not have to forfeit a game. So it is getting to the point where the word bubble is starting to resonate again. Nothing's again, this is just word on the street, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if we have to go into a bubble again for the playoffs, but for the time being teams are just uh, trying to make with what they have. Yeah, especially since it's kind of this weird limbo mode, right? Because it seems like the vaccine's being rolled out. Things are starting to look better in the long run. But right now, uh, the NBA is being affected. There's, like you said, there's a lot of games that had to be postponed. They had to be moved. Um, and now travel plans have to be adjusted even more. I know they've been trying to do things where they do back-to-back -back games in a single city uh, before flying out somewhere else to try to minimize the exposure. But even that's mm -hmm. not uh always uh working the best how, how do the players feel about the the possibility of another bubble I, i'm sure they're thrilled about having to leave their families for another few months <laughs> <laughs> exactly so i just spoke to tyler here about that and tyler was saying how for some of them him particularly the bubble was a lot of fun mm -hmm. uh but players that have a family players that have all these other responsibilities outside of basketball mm -hmm. he said he wasn't sure that players would be actually down to have another bubble so it would really take a lot of planning and a lot of convincing of a lot of people. But um, the COVID restrictions are starting to come back. Mm -hmm. There is a whole new protocol where uh, players are not allowed to leave their hotel room when they're away. And when they're at home, they're not allowed to leave their house either. Oh, really? So, it, yeah, that's actually that just got put in place a few days ago. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to Tyler about that because for that, uh, that game, which was the first game against the Sixers. They just played mm -hmm. the Sixers back-to-back. -back. For the first game, Tyler was actually going to get sent back to Miami, mm -hmm. uh, along with uh, Jimmy Butler, Bam, and Goran, because they were all uh, supposedly exposed. And due to this new protocol, they're not allowed to leave the confinement of a room or a house. And last minute, he got told that he was cleared. So Tyler yeah. woke up that day thinking that he wasn't going to play. Mm -hmm. And then two hours before the game, he gets told, oh, go suit up, and you're actually playing today. And so that's the game that he like dropped like 33, right? Yeah. Hmm. So it is, like you said, a limbo where they don't really know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So they're rolling out this new protocol just to make sure that we have some type of grasp, I guess, as to mm -hmm. what's going on and try to like bring everything together. But they're still, it's all over the place. Yeah, man. And especially like you said, with the Miami Heat, they had a game postponed, I think, against the Celtics. 
Yes. Uh, there's been a lot of other games uh, around the league. I know there was a uh, Hawks game that was moved. There was a Warriors game that was postponed. Um, but it seems like so far uh, most players have been exposed but still safe. But there is one guy, and I feel so bad for him, man. He doesn't catch a break with this virus. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, I think he just announced that he caught it. I know it devastated him and his family all 2020. Um how is the league trying to keep these guys safe? Because no matter what restrictions you really put into place, anytime you're traveling, anytime you're playing basketball, you're you're putting yourself at some kind of exposure. Um, I know we're trying to keep some balance between actually playing the games, giving the product to the fans, having the players actually complete their careers, their contracts. There's, there's a lot of moving pieces here, but it, it should still be that the priority is on keeping the guys safe, right? Yes, but then again, there's only so much that the mm-hmm. league can do. Um, we're still trying to run it with some normality. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, when it comes to keeping them safe, there's only, like I said, so much you can do. You have the case of the Washington Wizards. Um, the Wizards, what's going on with the Wizards is really weird because mm-hmm. there seems to be this notion among the players that, and it's a trend, like it's, it's a trend that you can observe. Every team that plays the Wizards ends up with a bunch of positive cases like directly right. after so people are saying oh like what's going to happen should we just not play the wizards and just postpone the wizard season <laughs> but then that the question arises and you're like all right but we can't do that because it's unfair to them we would have to postpone everybody you know mm-hmm. so in terms of what the league is doing to keep everybody safe they're basically rolling with the punches you know mm-hmm. pulling out all these new uh, protocols that are very situation based like, oh, okay, now we have this situation. All right, let's mm-hmm. do protocols for that. Oh, this arise. All right, let's talk about this now. So they're basically just winging it as they go. And I think there's no other way at the moment. Um, like you said, there's so many moving parts that you can't really come out with a set of guidelines that benefit absolutely everyone. There's always going to be someone that's not happy about them. Right. So they're just doing what they can. And uh, I remember last time that you were on the show, you talked how your uncle is a big Wizards fan, so he must be loving uh, the the rumors going around, right? Yeah, we cannot talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) We we, we don't address that right now. Yeah. um, Okay, but anyways, so how is this affecting uh, your ability to do your job and and interview players? It's still Zoom, right? Yeah, still over Zoom. Um, There are, like at the beginning of the season, there are some uh, journalists that are allowed to be Mm -hmm. at the games. But still, what I've noticed, even the journalists that can attend games Mm -hmm. still conduct their interviews through Zoom. Mm -hmm. So you can be sitting at the game, but then you end up doing your uh, post-game interviews, sitting at your seat, you know, in the arena. You're not Mm -hmm. in the same press room with the players like it usually is. So absolutely everything is being done through Zoom, which is something that's changed. So the beginning of the season, if you were allowed to be in the arena, you could be in the press room with the players. Now, everything is absolutely bound to Zoom. Yeah, but I remember you were talking about how you kind of like that because you've been talking to players outside of Miami. You've been talking with – I saw you had an interview with uh, Jokic not too long ago. Yes, Uh, we had Jokic last night. Yeah, and you had um, some of the Grizzlies players on and too. Um, uh, Talk about that, your your experience now. Uh, They're at home. They're playing their games in their arenas. You're still able to talk to them regardless of where you are physically. So obviously the ideal scenario is being in the arena. Mm -hmm. Even if you're doing your interviews through zoom, regardless, you want to be in the Mm -hmm. arena. It just, uh, personally, I just feel like it helps you focus more. You experience the game at a different level. And besides that, like 
all the networking opportunities, just being there with your colleagues is a great environment. But um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of benefits that come with this situation. Would I be able to talk to all these players uh, regardless? Yeah, when they come to play to Miami. Mm -hmm. But right now it gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of selecting who you want to talk to. It's, it's very, there's a lot of freedom in terms of saying, all right, today I feel like I want to interview these people because I feel like that's going to be a good game. And then you just can, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's really no, uh, it takes away a lot of limitations, but it is a very socky situation to be in regardless. Yeah, like Jokic just drops a triple-double. You go, I'm going to go talk to that guy. Right? Yeah, I want to <laughs> talk to him. He's the guy we need to talk to tonight. Yeah, uh, it also helps you pull... Uh, some big quotes out of them too sometimes right it's, if a guy's excited he just had a great game uh you know he's gonna be a lot more willing to talk than if it's a you know a defensive uh slug match right in the trenches <laughs> you know, di different vibe after the fact and how they're gonna interact with you but let's jump into just some general nba topics there's some big things going around that are outside of covid uh thankfully we have some exciting news uh there's this big 14 trade i don't know if you've heard about it uh with james harden <laughs> being shipped around. i mean are you asking me if i live under a rock yeah uh, yes yes um, i've heard about it it seems like th that's the the big buzz everywhere uh what do players, even outside of the ones involved, uh, how do they feel about this? Well, you know, James Harden is a character. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, again, a lot of players mind their business and this has nothing to do with mm -hmm. them. So they just stay quiet. We've heard what the players in the Rockets have to say about it. Mm -hmm. They're not very happy with James Harden and the things he's been saying. Uh, Harden, there's a quote where he says, I don't think I offended anybody. Mm -hmm. I think I just want to win a championship and that's what I'm doing right now. And Houston was not the place to win a championship. Obviously anybody in Houston is going to be butthurt about that. Cause right. you know, logically, but I, my personal opinion is very in alignment with what Shaq said. I don't know if you, uh, saw what Shaq said on, uh, TNT. He was like, you know what, regardless of whether Houston being, you know, a, a championship contender or not, mm -hmm. you have to give your all to that city. And James Harden did not. Mm -hmm. As soon as, you know, like he, he explains, you wanted Westbrook, they gave you Westbrook. You wanted shooters, they gave you shooters. And you still failed to deliver when right. you wanted to be the franchise player. So if that is the situation, if you really want that franchise player position, you have to come through and deliver. And James Harden did not. So... Mm -hmm. I, I was just reading about this a while ago. So who's the real winner here? Did Brooklyn win? Cause they got a, a, a new big three or did Houston win? Cause they got rid of, uh, you know, a bad apple, what they <laughs> call a bad apple. I don't know. And I think the way I see it as a little uh, subjective point of view, I'm mm -hmm. a Heat fan. And when they said that the Heat were front, not front runners, but they were, they in, were the in the mix, mix yeah. to sign uh James Harden, I don't know how I felt about that because I know that the Heat have a very, uh, a very specific acquired taste of a culture mm -hmm. where uh, all the diva stuff doesn't fly. So I didn't know if James Harden was going to come in to disintegrate the, a great team that we have that, you know, got to the NBA finals last year. So signing James Harden comes with a lot of baggage. 
Yeah, so, and we actually had a a whole episode. We called it the Miami Heat Civil War because it seems like Twitter was in flames when the possibility of James Harden coming uh, to the Miami Heat was there. There was a faction of fans that thought, well, you need to get a five, top five player in the NBA. It'll make a super team. It'll you know go compete against uh, the Nets, who were just a dynamic duo at the time. Go compete against the Lakers. Well, hoorah. And then another group of fans that was like, well, don't get rid of Hero. He's the second coming mm-hmm. of uh, Devin Booker or even Kobe or yeah. other line of top uh, 13 overall shooting guards. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, right? He's in that in that category already. Don't let him go for anything. Um, it seems like you fall more into the the develop the culture guys. Uh, yes, camp. yes. I mean, I feel like that's something that Miami does really well. Mm-hmm. Like that's a trademark of Miami, and that's been a trademark since Pat Riley has been involved with the team. Ever since he was a coach, ever since he was GM, ever since he was the man in charge, it's always been about. Uh, finding the diamond in the rough and developing them into mm-hmm. a superstar. Prime example, Hassan Whiteside. Mm-hmm. He, I, excuse me, Hassan Whiteside, but he was a nobody <laughs> before Miami. He played for Sacramento for like a year, then he went overseas and then he came back in Miami, grabbed him, gave him a chance, worked with him, turned him into a max contract player. And then he left. And do you hear from him anymore? Yeah, he's like, playing on another minimum contract, ironically, back in Sacramento now. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so, um, so see, like that's the power of Miami when it comes to these players, and you can see it in a in Precious Achua. Mm-hmm. He's having some great games. He had to go face to face with Joel Embiid, who's arguably one of the best centers in the league right now, and he did a good job for a rookie that's played what nine, ten games. Mm-hmm. He did a great job. Yeah, so it, it just seems goes like- to show the power <laughs> that Miami has when it comes to developing players. Yeah, I think it speaks more to Joel Embiid's strength because if someone looks at the stats and goes, oh, he did a great job. He guarded this guy who dropped 45. You'll think, okay, yeah. he probably played horrible, but it, it really just is more of Joel Embiid's offensive he, talent. He caught on fire. Yeah, yeah it, rather on. than... That's a different situation. <laughs> um, but I'm very happy with... Honestly, though, when, when I was watching the draft and I was covering the draft and I was like, all right, I really want Miami to get Cole Anthony. Mm-hmm. That was my thought at the time. Cole Anthony is still available. I'm a fan of what he does. I've mm-hmm. seen him in North Carolina. He's a great guy. We could use a point guard, you know, that would alleviate the pressure on Goran Dragic. Um, let's go for Cole Anthony. And then when they're like, Precious, I, Precious Achua, I was like, Precious who? What is, what is going on right now? Mm-hmm. But then I always revert back to the same thought that happened again in the last draft when they drafted Tyler Hero. I want a ball ball. I was like, who did we just draft? Hey, he had a very great two-minute career on the Miami Heat when they drafted yes. him and then traded and him to that, the that, that, That's what hit me the most then because mm. I was like, all right, we have another pick like further down, and we end up picking ball ball. And I was like, let's go. And then mm-hmm. we draft him. I was like, oh, my God. But then it always goes back to the same thing. One, Spo knows. Mm-hmm. And two, Pat Riley's the godfather. He sees the bigger picture. He knows what he's doing. So every time, it's like it's almost like a faith thing. Every time mm-hmm. I start questioning what on earth are they doing, I remember, you know what? Pat Riley's on top. Ah, he knows what he's doing. We're going to be fine. Yeah, I think that um, this was the first draft where the Heat selected someone that I actually loved it from the start because we were doing a live stream and we all wanted, like all the guys on, on Backseat uh, Banner, we all wanted – precious to drop to the heat and when it happened we got excited but i remember um when it was bam i was like who is this guy 
uh, Tyler, <laughs> who is this guy, right? And then they turned out to be these these great players. Uh, Bam is already an all-star. Tyler looks like he has a chance to rebound from a slow start and really push, probably not for an all-star berth this year, but in the near future. Uh, and then I think the last pick I was super thrilled about was Justice Winslow, and he kind of didn't pan out the way that he was supposed to. So it seems like the, the low-key guys that the Heat draft are the ones that pan out to be a little yes. better. Yes, and I don't, I don't think there's many teams that can attest to a player development like the Heat do, mm-hmm. um, which is why I feel really comfortable. Like, I would much rather keep Tyler Hero. And at the beginning, when the whole James Harden trade thing started to pan out, they were saying that in the list of untouchable Miami Heat players, Tyler Hero was there. And I was like, let's go. Mm-hmm. That's how it's supposed to be. But then when they said they were willing to throw Tyler Hero in there, I was like, no, that would be a great mistake. <laughs> and so I'm, right. happy, I'm, happy, I'm happy everything resulted in the way it did. The situation in Brooklyn is very, very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Nash, as a head coach, as a first-year rookie head coach, with arguably the biggest super team in the NBA right now. Mm-hmm. I say arguably because you know the Lakers, but whatever. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see if Steve Nash ha- really does have what it takes to mm-hmm. handle a team like that in his first season with the ego of James Harden, with KD's, KD being injury prone. You want to keep him healthy. And with Kyrie Irving shenanigans, you never know what <laughs> Kyrie Irving is going to pull out of his butt next. So it's it's a very weird mix in Brooklyn, yeah. but it'll make for great TV. Oh, it definitely will. And we were actually talking, we had a conspiracy theory, an NBA conspiracy uh, on this uh, podcast where we said that maybe Kyrie was doing these antics just to lower his trade value a little so that they wouldn't ship him out to Houston in a return for Harden, <laughs> um, that he just wanted to be a part of that team. He said, you know, I'd rather be a part of this super team here than have to compete with John Wall for minutes. Um, but let's let's talk about the other teams in that deal because yes, Brooklyn's the the flashy one. They're the ones that got uh, the the superstar in that deal. I like what Houston got out of this offer. They got Victor Oladipo, who is what two years removed from an All Star season. Sure, he went through the injuries and he was kind of slow in the bubble, but yeah. he's been playing pretty well. Um, I'm a fan of Victor Oladipo. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of Victor Oladipo. I think there is an immense amount of potential in him as a player that has been hindered through very, very unfortunate injuries. Mm -hmm. But I always root for Victor. I think he's a great player. And I really, really hope that I was a fan of him in Indiana. Uh, OKC, not so much. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, he didn't play much in OKC. But um, I, I am a fan. And I really, really hope that he can fit in into the Rockets. I I'm struggling a little bit to picture him uh, and John Wall and how that interaction is going to go on court wise, you know, they're probably really good friends, but you know, in the court. Mm-hmm. So I'm rooting for Victor and I think him going to the Rockets was a good thing. Yeah. They really have an interesting team there. It's kind of like, I don't want to compare it exactly to the heat of last year, but it's every guy has a chip on their shoulder, right? John Wall coming off injury, Victor Oladipo coming off injury. Christian Wood was overlooked for his whole career. Yes. Demarcus Cousins again, coming off injury. It seems like every guy on that roster from top to bottom has something to prove. And that that's always a fun thing to watch. And I think they're still good. 
without James Harden. They're not going to tank. They have all these draft picks, but they belong to other teams, right? They have, Mm -hmm. uh, what, 10 of the Nets picks. They have a couple picks from, like, Milwaukee, a couple from, like, Cleveland. Uh, I don't remember all the other ones that were sent in that deal. But they they got a boatload of picks. They're they're challenging the Thunder for the the biggest uh, treasure chest of draft picks. Yeah, owning the draft. Mm -hmm. Uh, Uh, But but they're still going to be good, right? Yes, but um, who I really wanted to talk about here is Karis LeVert. Because mm-hmm. Karis LeVert, I see Karis LeVert as Brooklyn's Tyler Hero. He should have been on the untouchable list. Mm-hmm. And again, they were willing to sacrifice for a win-now situation. But I wasn't a fan of Karis LeVert at first. When I saw him perform like one or t- once or twice last season, I was like, all right, that's a fluke. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a... a What's the guy in Indiana that TJ Warren mother hates? What's his name? <laughs> TJ Warren. TJ Warren, exactly. I yeah. got into this Instagram beef in the comments of a post by Slam because <laughs> they were doing this thing where they were putting a goat and TJ Warren at the same time. And I was like, I commented and I was like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of Indiana Pacers fans started coming at me and they were like, oh, you clearly don't watch Indiana basketball. To which I responded, no, I don't. It's a small market team. But mm-hmm. We got into it in the comments and people are always defending TJ Warren and they were like, oh, he probably beat your team. And I was like, well, we're going to see how it goes in the playoffs. And evidently, he molly the Pacers. Mm. So (laughs) I thought Karis LeVert was very similar to TJ Mm -hmm. Warren. All right, fine. They woke up with the right foot on this day and they had a great game. Good Mm -hmm. for them. But that's about as far as it goes. I'm not going to go ahead and call him a franchise player. Same thing with Karis LeVert. Until I started looking at all these... uh, Nets highlights on mm-hmm. Instagram. And I was like, all right, Katie's out. So that's not KD that I'm looking at. Kyrie is out. So that's not Kyrie that I'm looking at. It has to be Karis LeVert. And every single time it was Karis mm-hmm. LeVert. So I was like, you know what? This guy's actually good. He's not a, right. he's not a one hit wonder. So I was surprised that they were willing to let him go. Cause to me, that was the Nets uh, diamond in the rough that they would mm-hmm. keep and develop and, you know, build into a future superstar. But I guess, and that's totally justified. They're in a win-now situation. That's mm-hmm. what James Harden wants, and that's what the Nets want. So good for them. I mean, but I'm really excited to see what Karis LeVert is going to do outside of that little homey Brooklyn Nets that he basically grew up into the person mm-hmm. that he is today. So I'm, I'm also very intrigued to see what's going to happen to Karis LeVert. Yeah, so Karis LeVert actually, and this is why looking at standings a few weeks into the season is – funny because he went to a team that is currently seated higher than the nets the pacers are the fourth seed the nets are the fifth seed obviously it's no one's expecting it to stay that way but as of right now um that's the case tj warren is actually out with a i think it was a torn acl he's out for a long time uh if at all for the season if he comes back but uh karis gonna have the opportunity to be that that second star in indiana and we'll see how that pans out i think that he's gonna surprise a lot of people although i don't think a lot of eyeballs will be on him anymore when he's in that smaller market but him and sabonis that could be a good duo going forward um we'll see what they can build around those guys um but there was one team again back to the looking at standings a little too early in the season that you mentioned uh, last time that you really enjoyed, who are the number three seed in the Western Conference, uh, the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns. Oh, my God. So my favorite player on the Phoenix Suns was Kelly Oubre because mm-hmm. that kid's got swag. 
Like I'm, I'm a fan of Kelly Oubre. Like that man is mm-hmm. out of his world. Not on the court because he's not that great on the court. His three point percentage sucks. Mm-hmm. He's good in the paint, but that's about it. But he's just so wavy that he makes up for it off the court. So I'm a fan. <laughs> but uh, he ended up going to Golden State. So mm-hmm. I've been watching Golden State games. He's been doing okay. But in terms of uh, Phoenix, I'm also a huge Devin Booker fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I like his his attitude. He plays with a lot of confidence. And when you actually meet him and talk to him, he's the most chill person you're ever going to meet. And so I'm a fan. And what they did last year with a basically a team of underdogs, because Devin Booker, yeah, he's great, but he's not yeah. a – at least he wasn't in a superstar caliber until he did what he did. Um and then you add Chris Paul to that mix. I'm really, really excited. And I'm not surprised that they're that high in the West. Can it stay that? I don't know. Right. I feel the same way that I feel when I see, uh, and I was talking to my brother about this the other night, Austin Rivers. Mm-hmm. Every time I see Austin Rivers dribble the ball, I feel like he's going to trip and turn over the ball. <laughs> I feel the same way with, with Phoenix right now, they're doing great, but I feel like at any given moment, something's going to go wrong and they're going to trip and fall. <laughs> so let's hope it doesn't happen. I'm just a fan of the, uh, the type of basketball that they play. You know, mm-hmm. they go out there just to prove people wrong. They've been overlooked for so long. They've been a, they've been a, a small market team like, you know, Indiana we were just talking about. They're not one of the teams that you expect to make headlines, yet they do. So I really admire that underdog spirit that they have. And I feel like that's going to take them far this season. Yeah, they blipped for a little bit when they had uh, the Nash and Stoudemire duo. But I don't know if – I mean, I guess it is surprising that they're playing well. But I think that there were signs last year that this could be the case. They – I remember they started out really hot last season. uh, And then DeAndre Ayton got suspended for, what, 30 games, 40 games, something like that. Uh, And that that killed their momentum – Obviously, you lose your star center. You're going to lose your momentum. And then they picked it back up towards the end of the season in the bubble. And you have a team like that that's developing. Their young guys are only getting better. And you add Chris Paul to the mix, right? One of the best point guards Gary. still in the NBA, right? It's it's very hard to make a case that this won't keep up. Maybe not number three seed in the Western Conference just because the West is loaded. But uh, playoffs. But playoffs, playoffs. for sure. Like, I would be surprised actually if they don't make the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if that's a hot take, but um, they're a good team. I, think I, agree. I would be very surprised if they don't make the playoffs either. Um, what they did in the bubble mm-hmm. is just it just, it still lingers in my head. Like I was like, they can't win again. They just can't. And mm-hmm. then they do. And you're like, no way. They can't do it again. And then they do. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I've learned. I've learned my lesson. I've learned not to underestimate Phoenix. So I'm riding with them uh, in the West. They're, I would say they are my favorite team in the West. I'm not saying that they're my favorites or my pick to win at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all. But like, they're my favorite team to watch. I enjoy watching them play. Yeah, and they play a fun brand of basketball too. I guess anywhere Chris Paul goes, it becomes a fun brand of basketball because the number of passes per game doubles pretty much once mm-hmm. you add Chris Paul to your team. That makes for a lot more exciting basketball. And then when you have a great scorer like Devin Booker, there's always something to watch. Uh, but let's talk about some other teams that are fringe playoffs uh, last year that are really overperforming. Um, there's two that really stick out to me in the Eastern Conference. There's the Cavs and there's the Knicks. 
Um, both teams young. Both teams the laughing stock of the NBA for a while, um, except for when Cleveland had LeBron. But I guess that's uh, what happens anytime LeBron comes to town. Uh, both teams are playing well. Uh, New York has a uh, – he's not going to get anywhere close to the real conversation, but an MVP candidate in Julius Randle, right? He's averaging nearly <laughs> a triple-double uh, every game. Any game they win, that's because he put them on his back. And Cleveland seems to have figured out how to play Colin Sexton and Darius Garland at the same time. Uh, we just had a, a podcast with um, a, a Cleveland uh, reporter um, from Cleveland Sports Talk. He was getting hyped up about – um, that duo and their ability to move forward. They were also involved, uh, coincidentally, in the James Harden trade. They got Jared Allen for free. Uh, they gave up a second-round pick from Milwaukee, uh, which is pretty much worthless because Milwaukee's yeah. been good for years to come. So uh, they have five starting-caliber big men. It's a very confusing team. It uh, is. But they're playing well. So <laughs> what are your thoughts about uh, both of these unlikely stories so far in the NBA? All right. Let's – pause on the new york knicks because i'm not even <laughs> going to get into that right now mm-hmm. let's pause put that aside and let's talk about the Cavs first when it comes to the Cavs, mm-hmm. um it sucks because they are also battling a lot of problems with the new COVID protocol mm-hmm. a lot of their players are getting taken out and you know sat down due to COVID, and a lot of them are not even positive it's just oh they were exposed or they hung out with this person so including uh Colton Sexton, who I was very excited to talk to, and I couldn't talk to him because he didn't play due to COVID mm. last minute. And um, but I was talking to uh, Jetty Osman, and I asked him that question. I was like, "Your team was doing really well. You guys were doing great, and now you kind of are on the verge of taking a tumble because all your good players are being taken out due to COVID. How do you feel about that?" And his response, I feel like, was a very mature response. He said that is more of a question that you should address with like the medical people. Mm-hmm. We just do what we're told and we're just learning to have this next man up mentality. Mm-hmm. It's something that people keep bringing up all the time. Oh, the next man up mentality. We're just ready to go, whatever happens. And we have a bench for a reason. And those players are just as good. And it, it takes me back to uh, James Jones. I'm a huge fan of James Jones and mm-hmm. he's the GM for, for the Cavs, isn't he? I think so. He's the main guy in the Cavs now. Uh, James Jones was great in Miami. I was a huge fan of him in Miami because he had that next man up mentality. So I'm not surprised that the Cavs are doing well, bringing all these guys up because they stay ready. They stay strapped, ready to go. Because that's what James Jones used to be like. He would sit on the the bench for like three seasons. And then (laughs) the four starters that were above him would get injured. And they were like, oh, Oh, James Jones. I forgot you even mm-hmm. were there. All right, come here. Get in the game. And he would go in and drop like seven threes. Yeah, it's a commander like, That chance. guy stayed ready. <laughs> so it's the same thing that's happening with the Cavs. Regardless of what you throw at them, especially with COVID, they have a mm-hmm. bunch of guys that are ready to go whenever they have to. And that's why they're performing. Now, uh, yeah. <laughs> whew, okay. Let's get ready for this one. Going into the Knicks. Mm-hmm. I am a very firm believer that the Knicks are not going to get anywhere. The Knicks are not going to do anything Mm -hmm. until they get rid of that owner. He has to go. And they may be doing great, but something's going to happen along the way. Sorry? I said great is a strong word. They're playing pretty good. They're exceeding 
at least no, my I mean, expectation. I, I'm, I'm just saying, in a hypothetical, <laughs> yeah. yeah, in a hypothetical for the Knicks, they're playing great. Mm-hmm. But in a hypothetical scenario, they could be number one in the East. Mm-hmm. But something's gonna happen with their owner. They're gonna get into some type of scandal, mm-hmm. and then it's just gonna drop right back again. The team is not gonna succeed until he sells the team. So that being said, going to uh, the players themselves, Julius Randle is doing great. And I'm very happy for him because he's a player that literally last season, mm-hmm. I was having this conversation with my brother too. I was like, whatever happened to Julius Randle? <laughs> like, where'd he go? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like he just fell out of the face of the earth. And then all of a sudden he's in New York and he's doing great things. And you're like, you know what? Good for him. He ended up in the worst place because who the hell wants to go to New York? Like, it's a great place to be. It's a great place to live, but it's a horrible place to play. <laughs> he ended up in the butt of the NBA Mm-hmm. But you know what? He's doing great stuff and good for him. I'm happy for him. Moving on to uh, RJ Barrett. I am very underwhelmed about RJ Barrett's performance. Mm-hmm. I expected more of RJ Barrett. I think he did okay his rookie season. Right now, that dude is out there throwing air balls and missing open layups. <laughs> I'm not happy. I'm not happy at all, RJ mm-hmm. Barrett. Uh, Austin Rivers, he also somehow ended up in New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, I like Austin Rivers, but he, he keeps me on the edge of my seat. Mm-hmm. He's very uh, volatile at times. I don't know if, if he's going to do something great or if he's going to do a I think it's helpful that his dad is no longer coaching him. Yes. I think that takes a little bit of pressure off of him to be a star player that he can just yes. go out there and be an okay role guy. Yes. But uh, I think he's a good addition to have. Like mm-hmm. The Knicks are making moves but they'll never be able to make enough moves with the administration that they have until there's a change in the front mm-hmm. office. I won't even bother about talking about the Knicks because I don't think they're going to go anywhere. Is this, I don't know how many Knicks players you've been able to talk to, but is this a sentiment that, that is shared in the locker room or do you not know? I couldn't say I mm-hmm. haven't covered the Knicks, which is really funny. <laughs> I just never thought about covering yeah. the Knicks. Honestly, I just might after this. Just to you see might what's have going to, right? There. Just to see what, what the hell is going on in there. But um, it's talk to any journalist, talk to any uh, sports analyst, and they'll agree that nothing's going to happen in New York. They, they got sunned by Brooklyn. And what's going on in Brooklyn right now, that super team, that was supposed to be the Knicks. Yeah, right. And, and, <laughs> and they dropped the bag. Like, they had it. They, it was going to mm-hmm. be New York City. This was the come up. And then they get – not only did they take the L – Brooklyn handed them the L, mm-hmm. which is even more humiliating. They, they, the Knicks are supposed to be the more historic team, mm-hmm. and their little brother just sunned them. Yeah, so, and Brooklyn, the funny thing about them is how quickly they turned things around from that abysmal trade uh, when they got Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. They gave up their entire future, and they picked up the pieces, moved forward, and now they got a, the, the biggest super team in the NBA right now. I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable saying that. Obviously, whether it works out on the court or not is another story. But I think when, when people paper. refer to when people on refer paper. to super team, yeah, they refer to that, that hype, the, the story. It's what team do you have to watch, right? And we're going to like watching the Lakers. Sure, they're fun. But it's the same team it was last year. They got a, a couple of basketball upgrades, right? They got a slightly better big. They got a slightly better uh, six-man. But... It, it's more of the, the the star talent that it's brand new. It's the shiny new toy in Brooklyn, whereas it, it's all reliable. In, in you LA. said it. I couldn't have said it better myself. 
it's just like my music. After I listen to a song three or four times, mm -hmm. I'm done. I need something new. Same thing with these teams. I'm kind of bored of seeing the Lakers win. It's like mm -hmm. the Yankees. The Yankees always win. All right, somebody else win, please. You know? Mm -hmm. So now that we have a super team in the Nets, who's a team that hasn't won, you're like, you know what? I want to see them win. I want to see a change. I don't want to see the Lakers again. The Lakers have enough banners. They've won enough. Mm -hmm. Give me the Nets. Give me something new. So, yes, I am very excited to see them play. They are, on paper, the better team. It's There's a ton of variables and, like, all these uh, factors that influence their success. It's going to be tough. You have what I would call an unexperienced coach. Mm -hmm. You have a very experienced assistant coach in Mike D'Antoni, but an assistant coach that clearly favors James Harden. And you have Kyrie Irving, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I saw a tweet. I don't, remember, I don't remember who said the tweet. I wish I did. But it was, just trade Kyrie for Westbrook and recreate the OKC big three, you cowards. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um, I wouldn't be opposed. Russell Westbrook hasn't been the same in Washington. Mm-hmm. So I think he needs uh, – I mean, that team got to the finals against the Heat, and the only reason why they didn't win is because they were young. Mm -hmm. They didn't have the experience they have now. That team nowadays would kill everybody. Shut it down. Don't even go to the bubble. Just give them the trophy right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, th this kind of brings me to a another fun topic to think about. It's So the Brooklyn Nets really traded all their depth. They traded their, their six men. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is hurt, so I guess that doesn't quite count. But, you know, he was the next uh, best player off their bench. Um, and, and obviously a ton of picks. But they traded that for a star power, right? Now they have this big three. I, I would think that Kyrie would see, um, you know, Larry O'Brien, like, in his eyes. Like, he would come back. He would get his <laughs> act together. Uh, but with COVID, it seems like at any given day, someone's going to be out. And it might not even be their fault. They'll be exposed through a friend of a friend of a friend, right? And now they can't play that game. Um, so would depth be even more valuable this year than even last year, like in the bubble or in years prior? Because we know in playoffs, usually rotations tighten up. It's no longer nine, 10 man deep. It's like seven on a good night uh, or else the, the starters are just playing the whole game with two minutes break each. Uh, but it seems like this year, maybe those bench guys are going to be called upon even more than before. Well, this year, we're really going to see who is a true athlete. Because mm -hmm. you have a bunch of basketball players out there, but we're going to see who's actually an athlete this mm -hmm. year. Because it's going to be demanded of them to perform like a freaking beast. Because mm -hmm. they, they have no option. It's completely out of their control. Now, that being said, going back to the original question, people used to say last year, oh, whoever wins the championship in the bubble, is that championship going to have an asterisk next to it? Because it was a bubble. It was mm -hmm. a different setting. You know, all these different variables went into it. And I think we all can, you know, arrive at the same conclusion that the answer is no. If anything, that they have more credit mm -hmm. for winning, you know, in the bubble. Because they had their team. They put themselves through a, a physical, emotional, uh, almost, almost spiritual retreat <laughs> inside a Disney World hotel yeah. for three to four months. And so, so kudos to them, you know, they, they did great. Now, if we look at it this year, though, 
they're not in a bubble. And what is going to happen when the Lakers don't make the playoffs because LeBron was held back due to COVID protocols. Mm-hmm. So now arguably the best team in the West is not even going to go to the playoffs, not because they didn't play well or because the team sucks, but because of COVID protocols. Mm-hmm. So the way I see it, this year's championship might have that asterisk. Because wow, okay. this year, and that, that might be a hot take, but mm-hmm. here goes. Um, the team that's going to win this year is not going to be the best team. It's going to be the healthiest team. That's, Whoever that's can keep their players healthy is going to win. Because you can take freaking – give me the worst team in the NBA right now. Uh, I think it's the Pistons by record. All right, let's take the Pistons. Let's just stay there so we're not actually giving favorites or anything. It's just no, no, no. All right, yeah, the let's worst just record the team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you take the Pistons, right? Are they – the Pistons are east or west? They're, I don't even know where the freaking – east. So you take the Pistons, put them in the finals yeah. with the Lakers. The Pistons win the championship – because, because the Lakers LeBron didn't have players. <laughs> the Pistons win the NBA championship just because LeBron, Anthony Davis, and company are all out due to COVID protocols. Did they earn that championship? See, I mean, that, that's where that's where the questions get there of, okay, well, did the Raptors earn their championship when KD and Clay were both out? Did the Warriors earn their first one when Love and Kyrie were out? Okay, You can really start fair. going down the rabbit hole now of every championship someone got Fair. luckier than the other and let's not let's not go all the way mm. down into the hole but to mm. those initial allegations i respond sucks that they got injured mm-hmm. but an injury is part of the game mm-hmm. a covid protocol not too much now right. like i said when i interviewed tyler hero i am not putting in question the importance of the protocols because mm-hmm. now it is a matter of life and death covid mm-hmm. is out there killing people so you need to protect your people. That's completely fair. I'm not putting in question that we need the COVID protocol. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to running, and I didn't want to use this word in the interview, but when it comes to running a uh, believable, a, a, a league with, you know, with a reputation, mm-hmm. is it valid? Is it, is, it, is it valid to crown a championship when perhaps the best team didn't get a chance mm-hmm. to show how they were the best team, not because of an injury, because it's part of the game, but simply because they think that, give me a name, LeBron James might have been exposed. He tested negative, but the protocols say he can't play. So he's not going to play. So at that point, I think it does mess with the credibility. That's the word I was looking for. There you the go. credibility of the championship. Yeah, and that's actually a fun thing to think about too because, yes, the NBA is – it's a product at the end of the day, right? The reason that they're able to generate so much money and change these players' lives is because people care to watch and they care to uh, root for their teams and see what happens. And there's a story in the NBA. We we cover football too, but we love talking about basketball because the NBA kind of crafts this almost like a wrestling style story, except it's not fixed games, right? They kind of let things happen, but they love pushing things in a certain direction. Like that you highlight games on Christmas day. Cause that's the best matchups. Exactly right? what I was going to say. That's the um, prime example. Yeah. Like you, they kind of try to push, the public mindset in a direction. If you look at the NBA's Instagram account now, last year was all Zion, Zion, Zion. This year it's all Lamelo, Lamelo, Lamelo. 
right? You're trying to give these smaller market teams a reason to watch those teams. And uh, what you were going off of the, the line of, well, okay, if the best teams aren't the ones performing at the top because they might be exposed to something somewhere at some point, uh, even if they can't prove it, it's just a rule that they put into place just to keep everyone else safe. It kind of degrades the value of that product. Even if it's the best for the players, the best for the teams going forward in the future, uh, it might not be the best right now for the product side of things. Well, I'm happy you bring this up because mm -hmm. this is one of my biggest pet peeves and I talk about this all the time and people think mm -hmm. I'm crazy. Everybody listening, get ready for a freaking hot take. <laughs> we love the hot takes. The NBA has storylines and mm -hmm. you said it yourself. They have a storyline that they want to push because it's what sells. Here's what I think was the biggest storyline that I did not buy into. Kawhi Leonard. Hmm. Brace yourself. Okay. I don't think Kawhi Leonard is a good player. I a think Kawhi player. Leonard, I don't think he's a good player. I think he's an okay player. I don't think he's that great. I don't think he's all that. Partly, I may be biased. Mm -hmm. I don't like him because he just has some, I think he lacks personality. <laughs> I like people that have a personality. I think right. Kawhi Leonard has a personality of a rock. Mm -hmm. But that aside, I don't think he's that great. If he were that great, if he were that much of a big deal, why didn't the Clippers win last year? Mm -hmm. You might want to blame it on Pandemic P. Paul George mm -hmm. just didn't show up. But if Kawhi Leonard was all that that they made him to be, mm -hmm. he would have performed. They would have gone at least to the conference finals. At least. Mm -hmm. And they didn't. So I think last year was prime example that Kawhi Leonard is not all that he's not all what they make him to be so why does he have a max contract why is he seen as a franchise player because of the NBA storylines selling the story of Kawhi mm -hmm. which is so messed up that he saw his father die and he has like a trauma mm -hmm. and he turned to basketball instead of violence like if you want to sell that story that's going to make you money because mm -hmm. that's what people want to see that's ratings therefore you push the story that Kawhi is this massive player when really he's not. And you make money because now people want to go see Kawhi. So my hot take, they have storylines. Kawhi is not that great. And it's, it's all about television and ratings at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, that's, let's dive into that just a little bit because that, that, whew, that, that's a hot take right there. <laughs> um, you don't think he's a good player at all? I think he's a good player, but I'm going to leave it at that. I don't think he's a uh -huh. franchise player. Okay, so what? Like maybe – I'll try to look at comparisons here. So Rudy Gobert just got a max contract. What do we think of that? Is that is he trash? Like are you in the, in the – <laughs> like um, Rudy comparing Gobert, max contracts here? Rudy Gobert is a two- or three-time defensive player of the year, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. I recognize his assets. Does he deserve a max contract like what he got? I'm going to say no. Does Utah have anybody else besides Donovan mm -hmm. Mitchell to give all that money to? Also no. So, I mean, yeah. I guess he can get it. Like, he's playing for the right team if he wants to make money. Mm -hmm. No, and but, by the way, I kind of just put you in a corner there. I, I was messing with you a little bit. Uh, both Kawhi and Rudy have actually both won Depoy twice. Uh, so they're kind of it's regardless of what you think of one if one gets that money the other does right yes the difference is quite as two finals mvps under his belt 
<laughs> right? Um, but that, okay, again, if we want to go to the finals MVP section, mm-hmm. another extremely hot take, mm-hmm. another player I'm not a fan of because I think he's a, a little overrated, and I know that people are going to go crazy over this, mm-hmm. Tim Duncan. Ooh. The big fundamental, uh-huh. yes, that's about as far as it gets. And mm-hmm. I compare him to Kawhi Leonard all the time because they're both very fundamental players. Mm-hmm. They both have the same no-nonsense, I stand, I go up, I shoot style. They're like robots. And yeah, they were great players. I'm not, I'm, Tim Duncan was a great player. He did lead the Spurs to championships countless times. Mm-hmm. But then you have Manu Ginobili and you have Tony Parker. Like, mm-hmm. They had a bit of a super team. It wasn't a super team at the time because we weren't in the era of that. Mm-hmm. But it was a very good team. I don't think Tim Duncan is a top five player in NBA history. Hmm. And we can, we, we, can actually... argue, we can argue where you put Tim Duncan, but every single time that I see someone put Tim Duncan in the top five players of NBA history, even top 10, top 12, maybe, maybe top 12. But top 10, certainly not top five. Yeah, man, so, we actually had a little what-if scenario not too long ago where – if Ray Allen never hit that shot in 2013 and Tim Duncan was 6-0 and in the NBA Finals, that would rival Michael Jordan numbers, right? 6-0 and in the Finals. He won uh, Finals MVP all those years. I don't know if he ever won a depoy, but, you know, his accolades were there. Um, it would be hard to argue that he changed the game like Michael Jordan did, that he should be in that number one. But at number two? Six and zero in the finals, right? What greatest power forward of all time? I think we could at least acknowledge somewhere close to that, right? In the words of Stephen A. Smith, blasphemy, <laughs> blasphemy. Greatest power forward of all time. I mean, I would even build a case that Shaq is that. Oh, Shaq was center. I'm, I'm Shaq was center, and I would still give him the best power forward of, of all time because he was just so dominant. And I would okay. think of him before I even think of Tim Duncan. I mean, I guess I'm just not a fan of their style of play mm-hmm. where I, I give a lot more credit to a player like Devin Booker mm-hmm. that's going to have the swagger to hit that crazy three-pointer shot to win the game at the last second. Mm-hmm. What happened when Kawhi did that? The ball freaking bounced in the he back of the this. rim, bounced in the backboard, twirled around, <laughs> got out, and then got back in, and then mm-hmm. he made the game-winning shot. You can't tell me he did that on purpose. That was pure luck. <laughs> Don't even try and sit there and tell mm-hmm. me he did that on purpose. So oh, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> so that was that he got lucky on that, but oh, everybody exploded. Freaking Kawhi mm-hmm. Leonard won the game. So again, uh, going. Back to the, we're going off on a tangent. Right now. Oh, we are, but th- this is where point. this is why this format is so fun. We just get to talk about whatever and see where the conversation yeah. goes. Yeah, kind of bringing it back to where we started. Mm-hmm. The NBA has uh, certain storylines that make the money, which is the case with, and you brought it up too, Lamelo Ball. And I really want to talk about Lamelo Ball because my opinion on Lamelo Ball changed a lot. Okay, I'm never gonna wish evil on somebody. Mm-hmm. But I did not want to see LaMelo Ball succeed just because I didn't want to give LaVar Ball the satisfaction <laughs> of, mm-hmm. of, of seeing his kid do whatever he said he was going to do. Mm-hmm. I despise LaVar Ball. He's, he's a great businessman. Mm-hmm. I mean, good for him, but he's still an idiot. And I did not want LaMelo Ball to do great 
just because of Lavar, and I hate Lavar. Mm-hmm. But seeing him play this whole time, I'm thinking overrated. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, you're gonna do well when your daddy owns the league, you know. <laughs> and right. that's as far as they're gone. But seeing him in the NBA now, I was like, all right, this is where we separate boys from men. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're it, you're gonna do good. If you're not it you're going to get kicked to the side and you're going to be a bust very quickly. Like, like, like sadly, Markel Fultz. And we can talk about that later too, but LaMelo ball, he surprised me. And then recently, and again, I think this also might've influenced my change of opinion on LaMelo ball. Mm -hmm. I recently got into rookie cards and I've been collecting mm-hmm. rookie cards and stuff, and I have Lamelo Ball's rookie cards. Oh, so you're you're praying he does well. That thing's gonna so be worth thousands. Now I kind of need him to do well. Mm-hmm. But that aside, I'm very very happy to see that mm-hmm. this kid doesn't need the hype that his dad gave him. Well, here's what I I have to say about Lavar. I think that he doesn't believe what he says half the time. I think he just says it to sell <laughs> shoes. Um, and I think it worked well, right? Those Zo threes or whatever they were called, um, they sold out Trash. <laughs> and they were terrible, garbage, shooting, but they sold out, they made him money. And I guess at the end of the day, that's all that counts, right? Uh, for him, uh, it put his sons in a tough position, right? Because they have a target on their backs. Lamelo's in this weird spot where he's performing well. The Hornets are six and seven right now. They're not terrible anymore. Uh, but it's also like every time he does anything, he gets a one assist in a game and it's all over house of highlights NBA. And that puts, I think more of a target on his back from other teams, right? The guys want more so than Lonzo too. Mm -hmm. Lonzo doesn't have a big of a target as he does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you, you brought up Markel Fultz before I cut off as well. Yes. So Markel Fultz, um, you know, he got name dropped in that one J Cole song mm-hmm. and he was like, pray for Markel. Cause they messed up his shot. <laughs> they really did him dirty. Mm-hmm. And he got drafted number one overall. Mm-hmm. Another draft where I was like, you did what you drafted who <laughs> number one overall. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know what? He has to be good if he's getting number one overall, which is kind of like the same sentiment I have towards Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, he's an athlete. The man is a freak of nature, but is he a, a basketball player though? Like, is he really mm-hmm. gonna, you know, be a number one pick? We'll see. He's doing good so far. He's getting a little overshadowed by Lamelo's two assists that get posted everywhere. Mm-hmm. But he's been doing good, so we'll see. But in terms of Markel Fultz, when I saw him number one overall, I was like, he better do something freaking amazing to convince me that he's a number one pick. And then he got injured, and then like almost immediately, and then when he came back from that. He those freaking videos leaked all over social media of him shooting like he had a stick in his butt or something. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what happened? What is this? What is going mm-hmm. on? So whatever happened there, whatever happened to his shot, was that in Philadelphia? He was in Philadelphia still, right? That's yeah, he, he was. That's the, the trust the process sixers. That's what that was. Well, the process, I, I don't think I trust the process. I mean... <laughs> The, the process continues to go on to this day because we haven't mm-hmm. seen results. I, I, I guess we're still in the process. And the process really set Markel Fultz a few light years back in his career. Mm-hmm. So all credit to him, he managed to get it together. He went to Orlando 
Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a max deal, but he has a really, really good deal in Orlando. He got hurt there, That at there least too. has him protected now that he's <laughs> injured. Yeah. But he just sucks that he continues to get injured. Mm-hmm. So what the reason why I was talking about him, when you compare that to a uh, LaMelo Ball, that's not a storyline that the NBA pushed. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was potential there if he were to remain healthier or whatever, Mm -hmm. he could be a great player. He's demonstrated resilience, but at the same time, you know, it's not a storyline. doesn't make the money. It's not LaMelo Ball and his dad. (laughs) Right. And the thing about Markel is he was actually playing pretty well in Orlando before he got hurt. He had seemed to have turned things around. His jump shot started looking more straight, you know, uh, he was playing all right. And like you said, he did secure uh, a good contract where he's protected. Now he's hurt. He's not playing games, but he's still, you know, financially well off. I guess if that's the best. The man's word, not going to starve. He's yeah. not playing, but he's not going to starve. Yeah. Um, and even if he can't secure another contract, I think he's good. Uh, not something you could say about every player. Um, we just had an agent on today talking about how a lot of players seem to have problems post their career if they can't get to that second contract. It seems like they're the hurdle, right? It's that second contract. If you get your second contract, you'll be good for, uh, for life. But before that second contract, you're in this limbo zone of what do you do, right? Did, did you experience that? Have you talked to players uh, about um, like life between their rookie year and their, uh, their their second contract? A lot, a lot of them get that max extension, that rookie max, but um, – even the, the role players. You, you talk uh, to any players about that transition well, in lifestyle? I haven't. I haven't. And it's a very interesting point that you bring up. Mm-hmm. Definitely something I can look into. But I can attest to that in a different point of a career. Mm-hmm. And if we talk about players who had their career, mm-hmm. had a decent career, and they feel like they still have a lot more to give, Mm-hmm. Yet they're not given that last contract. They're not given at least that veteran's minimum. And now they're in this limbo of, should I try and go overseas? Mm-hmm. Should I retire? I don't want to retire. I feel like I can still play at the highest level. Mm-hmm. You have Jeremy Lin, who is not even that old. And he's trying to make an NBA comeback. He went overseas. He did his thing. Yeah. Now he's trying to come back. But the person that I really want to talk to is one of the greatest people I've met people. And I say people, not necessarily a basketball player. One one of the greatest Mm -hmm. people I've met in my life, Jamal Crawford. Mm -hmm. Jamal Crawford is such a humble, nice, deserving person. Mm -hmm. And he's, I, he know he, I know he doesn't feel he knows. And I support that. He knows that he still has a lot to give to the NBA. Mm -hmm. Therefore, yet he still finds himself in the limbo where he doesn't have a contract happened to Ray Allen as well. Ray Allen was kind of forced into, you know, retirement when Miami mm-hmm. didn't renew his contract. Uh, you have Nick Young, who's also in this limbo. Lance Stevenson, who ended up going overseas. Yeah. I know it's not really and a thing anymore, but um, Melo was in that situation for a couple of years too before Portland gave him a shot. Yes, which is what I want to get to. You have mm-hmm. players like Melo or in, I think, the best possible scenario for someone like that, Dwight Howard. Mm-hmm. Dwight Howard was bouncing... Dwight Howard has been, I think he's been in every single NBA team in history at this point. <laughs> he's been to so many teams. Mm-hmm. But it was getting to a point where Dwight Howard was no longer Superman Dwight Howard, but he mm-hmm. was just, eh, Dwight Howard. The guy, what do you know about Dwight Howard? 
hey, wasn't that the guy that couldn't make a free throw a few years ago? That was about it. Like he, he was a memory, a distant memory of a meme. And then out of nowhere, he goes on the Lakers. He's still riding the bench on the Lakers because the Lakers are stacked. But the few minutes that he does see, he plays really well. And he actually ends up making an impact that now gets him a, a contract. The Lakers contract for Dwight Howard, and this is how I put it when I spoke to him the day that they won the championship. Mm-hmm. Coming to the Lakers was like a breath of fresh air to your career. And he agreed to that. He was like, that's exactly how I would describe it. Mm-hmm. His career was down, going downhill. You know, the plane was about to land and he was about to get off and never get on again. Mm-hmm. And then at the very last second, he catched that ticket to go to the Lakers. And he went to the Lakers, did well. And, oh, what do you know? Now the Sixers want him. And mm-hmm. he has a contract with the Sixers. And he's playing real minutes again. So that is what every player wishes would happen. But it not always does it happen. And I feel like players like Dwight Howard or Carmelo Anthony attest that, if anything those are the players you should take a chance on because mm-hmm. those are the players that are really out there working their tail off to prove to you that they still got it. Yeah. And they, the, the weird thing about those two names in particular is you go back, what, seven, eight years, they were superstars, right? Uh, Carmelo Anthony was a perennial all-star. There would be no year that he wasn't until he got hurt. And you know, the Knicks just started to suck. Um, and then same with Dwight Howard. Suck right? more. Suck more. <laughs> hey, I mean, they were making playoffs with Carmelo Anthony. Right. Yeah, and then, he, and then his back broke from carrying mm-hmm. the team. So yeah, exactly. The <laughs> and then with Dwight Howard, he single-handedly carried that magic team to the finals, right? Like people forget very quickly how great both of those two guys were in their primes. And it, it's weird how quickly players fall off in, in the NBA, uh, maybe even quicker now than before, because the game is changing so much. Uh, big men that can't shoot don't keep up anymore like Dwight Howard. Um, and this is the last topic we're really going to talk about, but how have you seen the NBA evolve over time? And it seems like it's evolving even quicker now than before. I feel like the NBA is turning into a flashier NBA. Mm-hmm. And this started with uh, the small ball NBA. We had, okay, we went from, I don't even know how to describe it. I'm just going to say the normal NBA, mm-hmm. which was the year that the Dallas Mavericks beat the Heat in the finals, mm-hmm. right? I give so much credit to Dirk Nowitzki and the Dallas Mavericks because they were the last team to win an NBA championship without a super team. Pretty much. A su- yeah. The very next year, Miami wins it with a super team, and then we never looked back. I guess they Toronto wasn't really a super team, was it? No, which which I'm, I'm going to get there. Okay. Uh you start having all the super teams that start winning championships. And now all of a sudden, the only way to win a champion, and that's, that's what characterizes all these eras. If you want, the only way to win a championship is two dots fill in the blank. The only way to win a championship, have a super team. And from there we go to the warriors and the era of the warriors begins. The only way to win a championship is shooting from three. Unless and, and super shooters team. that, because they had both. I mean, yeah, super team. <laughs> but why was why was it a super team? Because mm-hmm. they had so many shooters. Right. Everybody could shoot the ball there. So 
how do you win? You outshoot Golden State. Can you outshoot Golden State? No. And then how did LeBron win? He went to Cleveland and he had LeBron, Kyrie, and, you know, arguably some type of super team. Now you go to uh, Toronto and Toronto was, I don't, I don't even know how to describe Toronto. Toronto was uh, the anomaly, mm-hmm. I would say. It's like the Detroit Pistons when they beat uh, Kobe. It's that team that comes around. It's what the Heat almost were. It's a yes. team that comes around. It's a once in a blue moon type of event. Uh, the it's stars like a, literally had to align for it to happen, right? Because exactly. KD had to go down. Clay went down. Kawhi played out of his mind, whether or not you think he's a good player or not. Um, he did play a great series. Uh, I give I give the credit to that championship to Fred Van Vliet, but okay. Okay, mini Drake. Yes, Drake, the great value Drake, mm-hmm. the twin. Right. Uh, although when it comes to playing basketball, it's the opposite. Right. We've seen Drake's layup attempts in Kentucky. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> but um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I would say that that was the the anomaly. So now, to actually answer your question, mm-hmm. you win uh, basketball games now by doing the unconventional. Why do you think people like LaMelo Ball are thriving? Because mm-hmm. LaMelo Ball is out there doing behind the back passes or doing that weird thing where he puts the ball in that ball spin and he throws it left, but the ball goes right. Like all mm-hmm. these flashy things that catches people's eye. And now all of a sudden the Charlotte Hornets don't suck. And now all of a sudden Michael Jordan is happy. Because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you might've seen that clip of last season when they did some dumbass play and he, Michael Jordan literally got out of his seat went down to the bench and slapped that guy in the back of the head. And then he went back up to his seat mm-hmm. that you were not going to see that this season. Why did Phoenix do so well last season? Cause you had Devin Booker playing wild, wild West basketball, right? Where he was gone swinging left and right. Why is even Miami? Why is Miami doing so good? Tyler hero. Yes. We have bam. Yes. We have a great leader in Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. But it's the attitude of gameplay that Tyler Hero brings to the mix that can be reflected in everybody else. That's why, to me, Tyler Hero was a no-touch player for Miami because that's where the flashiness of Miami comes from. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the league is slowly, slowly turning into a young influence type league Mm -hmm. where where the new kids who were celebrities in high school have now gone through college and they're making the league their own. And I think sooner rather than later it's like in every sport um we're living if if you follow soccer we're living in the era of messi and cristiano right but that's eventually slowly coming to an end like Mm -hmm. it's not the same anymore they're not even the same league anymore you don't hear about them as much anymore they're gonna retire soon we go back to the nba lebron is old he's an old man Mm -hmm. he's he's a beast and he's performing at an insane level, but he's getting old. He's going to retire soon. And that's something that we need to prepare for because it's not going to be the same after. Football. Tom Brady is in Tampa Bay. He's not the same. Yeah, he's Tom got Brady maybe, maybe one more run left in him this season. We'll see what happens. There, there's some big games coming up on Sunday yeah, or Saturday. I guess they're doing Saturday night football now too. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in the NFL. But, uh, but Tom I get Brady's the point. On his way out too, mm-hmm. and and that's the point. He's on his way out. Even Gronk, you know, Gronk was uh, 
Tom Brady's sidekick, and he doesn't even look that old, and he's on his way out. He's over here doing. Yeah. Have you have you seen the Bush commercial? Have you seen the Bush commercial Which that one? Rob Gronkowski did? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The oh my god, babe, I can't find my balls. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, trim your bush. Like mm-hmm. what? Like is this what it has come to? Like you're a freaking mm-hmm. Super Bowl champion for how many times, and you're here over here doing commercials about your bush? Like they're on their way out. So all these players that we grew up idolizing and watching play, mm-hmm. the league is slowly being overtaken by the new young bucks that mm-hmm. are making it their own. And, and I the think style that they grew up with is all this like flashy, let me let me razzle dazzle you style. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually making the um, entire league so much more competitive. Like look at the rosters of every team. There's not a bad team in the NBA. Obviously, there's still teams that are better than others because that's just how any competitive sport works. But it's I don't see any roster that's like just god awful. Um, maybe again, maybe you could throw the Pistons in there because they just have like ten big men. Uh, they have yeah, but Blake Griffin is in but, there. Yeah, but Blake Griffin Rose is in there. Mm-hmm. You're like they have people that you want to watch still. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that that's the point here where it's even the bad teams still have something to offer which wasn't the case every year right in years prior we talked about it and maybe we could touch on this uh if you want to come back on uh the sixers were losing games like uh like that was their goal right even the knicks who we already discussed except against miami they freaking won against miami every time i used to go to the games to see the sixers because i'm like there's no way we're losing to the Sixers, and yep. then we would lose. It's a cheap game. It was a guaranteed win, and then it was a loss. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, but it, it seems like now even, like, the tanky teams aren't that bad. Like, the Kings are always a laughing stock of the NBA. They're a fun team to watch. Darren Fox, Buddy Heald. It's insane. Um, mm-hmm. I love watching the Kings. Mm-hmm. It seems like everywhere you look, the Bulls with Zach Levine, he's putting up insane numbers. Kobe White. I love watching Kobe White. I love mm-hmm. watching Zach Levine. What's that other dude from Finland? Laurie Markkinen. Mm-hmm. He's playing really well. See, like, you could literally name any team that can tell you someone cool is on that team, which yeah. is not always the case in the NBA. It's I like the direction that we're going um in the league even with super teams like the nets it seems like there's still like three other teams that could compete with them for a title uh in either conference really um it's just a fun time right now to be an nba fan and i think it's even more fun for you to get to talk to all these guys because there's stars left and right wherever you look right it is and it really makes it really cements the thought in my head that this is my dream job and I'm living my dream mm-hmm. right now. Cause I, and I've said it, and it's going to sound cliche and I've said it all my life. If you're working in what you love, you're not going to have to work a day in your mm-hmm. life because you're just going to have fun every day. That's what I'm living in right now. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that everybody that's listening can find that in their life where they're like, you know what, I'm doing what I love. Like, Mm-hmm. this i i found it i found what i want to do for the rest of my life so not only am i doing what i love but it's so much fun to see these new guys take over the league mm-hmm. and to be able to interact with them is priceless to me 
Yeah, that's awesome, man. And it seems like every time you get on this show, it ends with a little bit of words of motivation or wisdom or or, or something sappy there at the end. <laughs> uh, it's always a great way to end one of these. Um, <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, any plugs that you might have? Cultura uh, Sports, you got that banner in the background. Yes. So we are looking to start our uh, talk show in Spanish. If we have any other uh, members of the audience out there that speak Spanish, Cultura Courtside is going to be uh, launching again soon as we get deeper into the season. Regardless, our interviews are always in English. So follow at cultura.sports to stay up to date with our interviews. And uh, yeah, that's about it, man. All right. That's awesome. And if you guys enjoyed, remember to like, comment, subscribe, all that jazz. Uh, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you. I'll see you guys.